This case is a perfect example of how catfishing can actually turn a person into bait. Welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today we're going to talk about the case of Justin Huff and Cooper Jackson. Tonight I'm drinking my little barefoot rosé spritzers. I don't know if you guys have ever had these, but they are a delight. Just saying. On January 2nd, 2006, at the Dam Neck Naval Base in Virginia, around 1.13 p.m., roll call was done, and they noticed that they were one Marine short. Justin Huff, age 23, was a respected Corporal Marine. He did two tours in Iraq, and he was newly married to Rebecca, and they even had a baby on the way. He told his friends he knew just after a few short months of dating Becca that she was going to be the one. He was so happy. Things were really starting to take off. So was able to further his career by becoming an intelligence specialist with the Brigade Service Support Group 1. Other fellow Marines went to look for Justin in his barrack, but he was not there. While they looked around, they noticed that it kind of looked like he just picked up and left. There was a box of half-eaten pizza still sitting there, open. His clothes were everywhere. His jacket was there. And it was actually kind of cold out. So they figured if he did leave, he couldn't have gone far. Plus, he knows that it's going to be roll call. He never missed anything. They start to ask around to see if anyone's seen him. And Private First Class Richard, who was very close with Justin, said that Justin came to him just a few days earlier with a very weird story that an NCIS agent came to his room in the middle of the night and ended up accusing him of sexual assault on a female. Justin told Richard that not only did he not have a clue what the hell this guy was talking about, but he just felt like there, there might have been something off with him. I mean, the man was in blue jeans and tennis shoes, and it's not something that uh, an NCIS agent would be wearing. Usually they're like in a suit and tie. And the guy didn't show him any identification. So no proof of who this guy said that he was. There was other Marines that cited that there was a man that was looking for Justin who went to the front lobby and asked the secretary to get Justin because he said that he had his phone that he had left at a restaurant because he was too intoxicated and asked the secretary to bring him there because he wanted to hand it to him personally. Another Marine who was also in the lobby went up to him and was like, hey, you know, I'll take it. I got class with him, so I'll see him. And the guy just puts it in his back pocket and walks away. Like, that's not suspicious at all. Not at all. So they're all kind of like, okay. <laughs> and the one Marine actually followed behind him. Because he's curious now, like, what the fuck just happened? And they wanted to see how he was leaving. Did he have a car? Was he on foot? Who the fuck is this guy? So when they do, they see that it was a man who had a blue pickup truck. And that it had a motorcycle strapped in the bed of it. So that would make it very unique and easy to spot. The Marine took a mental note of the whole situation and later told police when they got involved trying to figure out what happened to the missing Marine. And that incident had only happened just a few days earlier. 
Other Marines also saw a blue pickup truck that was spotted sitting in the parking lot, which also had a motorcycle in the bed. Two Marines went up to the window and they're starting to question, what do you know about Justin? Where's Justin? Why have you been around? Your truck has been sighted. You know, they want answers. And the guy in the truck's just kind of looking as perplexed as they are. He's like, I don't have a clue who you're talking about. I don't know that person. My name is James Jackson. And he was an intelligence specialist in the Navy. He was 23 years old, intelligent, fit, polite, but he was kind of socially awkward. But he did have a new woman in his life that he seemed really excited about. Her name was Samantha. And they met by her one day calling him and she had the wrong number. So they both hung up. And after they hung up, I guess he kind of like sat and stewed on it for a minute. And he thought, wow, she sounds pretty attractive. So he called her back and they just kind of hit it off. So they started talking ever since. They would talk for hours. She described herself to him as an art student who was wealthy, attractive, slender, blonde hair. She even sent, sent him photos, some of her being topless and other of her in other states of being undressed. The couple communicated through telephone calls, emails, and text messages up to 50 times a day. And it also included some phone sex. Every time they were supposed to meet up, Samantha would never follow through with it. She would always have to cancel either last minute or a day or two before, and he was starting to get really upset. He couldn't wait to meet this girl. And it seemed like no matter what, there was always an issue. And, you know, he was getting to the point where it was either she was completely fucking with him or she had the worst luck in the world. On one of the days that they were supposed to meet, she ended up going to the hospital. And the second time that they were supposed to meet, he was supposed to meet her at the airport. So he waited for her for 13 hours. I'm sorry, but if that wasn't a sign, hello, I would never. After numerous failed attempts to meet his girlfriend in person, Cooper was so fed up that he traced her phone number and it went to an address that was in the Outer Banks, which turned out to be her house. That was where she was at. But he still never met her because when he called her on the phone, she convinced him that it was her friend's house, that it wasn't her house, and that he couldn't go knock on the door because then her parents will get mad at her friend. <laughs> yeah. So after that, I guess you could say Samantha got a little spooked. So she tried to break it off with Cooper, but he just wasn't getting the hint. So she decided to make up a little lie that she had consensual sex with another Marine at a party. Cooper hears that she was raped. She tells him, no, I wasn't raped. I wanted to sleep with this other Marine. But he could just not wrap his head around that she would actually do this to him. I mean, I guess waiting 13 hours at the airport wasn't a clue. But um, I mean, hey, but he just cannot accept that his precious Samantha would do that to him. And it had to be raped. Just had to be raped. No ifs, ands, or buts. He starts to interrogate Samantha. And finally, she just wants this over with. Like, dude, I don't want to be with you. Uh, she breaks down and decides that it's better to just agree with him. And start to tell him things that he thinks happened. 
And instead of saying this is not what happened, at some point she just starts to confirm that, yes, she was sexually assaulted to keep him from badgering her about it. She gave a vague description of what the rapist looked like, and she said that he was being called either Huff or Huffman, that she couldn't really remember what she heard. So now he's out for blood, and he starts his own investigation. He's going to start hunting down this rapist. He's hunting wabbits. He concluded that a Marine Corporal, Justin Huff, had to be the rapist. Even though he had never met him per se, he has seen him before on the base. And by her description, she said he was tall, he was fit, and he fit all that. Not to mention, she threw Huff or Huffman out there. His last name is Huff. On January 12th, 10 days after Hunt went missing, NCIS agents arrested Jackson on base and brought him in for questioning. And after two hours, he finally confesses that he showed up for a second time in the middle of the night and told Justin that if he wanted to clear his name, he was going to have to go with him. Justin, even though he wasn't sure who the hell he was dealing with, he went along because he just wanted to clear his name. You know, he's newly married baby on the way that is not the kind of drama that he wants he knew that he had nothing to do with nothing and he just wanted to clear his name once and for all cooper handcuffed him and put him in the back of his vehicle they drove down to north carolina and that actually was over an hour drive cooper the entire way keeps interrogating justin the entire way and all justin can do is repeat and deny any involvement with Samantha. And to Cooper's own acknowledgement, he's actually starting to believe Justin. And this isn't really the first time that he kind of thought that Justin was telling the truth. The first time when they had spoke, he started to get a feeling that this may not be true. But again, Samantha wouldn't lie to him. He did Samantha wrong. Man's got to pay. But now again, he's starting to believe that Justin may not be responsible for this, but unfortunately, he's reached a point of no return. He made Justin lie on the ground, and Justin's telling him, like, dude, I swear on my unborn child, I had nothing to do with this. And Cooper told the police that he asked him to swear on his life and everything that he held dear to his life that meant the truth. And he said he did. So he knew he was an innocent man. But he felt like he was in too deep. So he slit his throat, poured gasoline on him, and set him on fire. And then he buried him in a field. He pled guilty, so there was no trial. But in the military, they have a sentencing hearing. And that is what a jury is needed for. When he finally meets his beloved Samantha face-to-face, who actually turned out to be Ashley Elrod, a five foot two brunette and somewhere in the middle of 300 and 400 pounds. His face noticeably turned cold as he realized that that whole time he had been played. He felt like such an asshole. And I say for that, good. Samantha took the stand and told them that she was really a hotel clerk in North Carolina. She said that she felt horrible that the murder occurred, that she had no idea it would ever go that far to where an innocent person got freaking killed. She also admitted to lying about the rape and admits that she might have told a fake name. 
turns out she's been doing this since she was 15 years old. She said that she just dials random phone numbers, hoping to call either Marines or sailors and to have remote relationships with them. And she said she did this because she lived near the Virginia beach bases. They were looking to give him the death penalty, and that's when his mom called attorney Don McCarty, and he told news reporters that his mother had called him because a psychic had told her that he would be able to save his life, so she really needed him to represent her son. And he said, how am I supposed to tell a psychic? No. So he took the case. In October 2006, Jackson pled guilty to premeditated murder, kidnapping, impersoning an NCIS agent, and obstruction of justice. He received life without parole, and Samantha walked away scot-free. Love to know what you guys think about that. I'm curious. Do you guys think that she should have walked away? Do you think she should have been held on charges? I mean, she did try to tell him that she wasn't raped. He's the one who didn't want to hear it, but none of this would have happened if she wasn't catfishing. So it's pretty much she led him to do it, but literally it was his own actions. If you want to drop me a line on one of my socials, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Thank you for listening. Don't forget all the ways to get your crime fix on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can even go to crimeovercocktails.com, which is the official website. If you would like, while you're there, you can check out the merch. Also, you can help support the show by heading over to the Patreon page. While there, you will see that I am starting to upload my After Hours edition of Crime Over Cocktails. That is where I give you my real thoughts on the case. Things that I would kind of like to say during the episodes, but I don't. I hope you're as excited as I am. Have a good night, you guys. We'll talk crime another time.